Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the Authentication, Validation, and Management Toolkit for those AP vendor maintenance teams that still have a mostly manual process and need fraud prevention at each critical step of the vendor maintenance process. Go to DebraRRichardson.com to see the authentication techniques, internal controls, best practices, and what template forms, vendor communications, and desktop procedures are included. Stay tuned. If you are a small or medium-sized business, you do not want to miss this episode. I have a guest and we are talking about how his company is bringing robotic process automation or RPA to companies just like yours with a different investment strategy and outlook on automating your processes and stick around for a special offer that will only be given to the putting the AP in happy podcast listeners. Welcome to episode 39. SMBs. Don't miss this cost-friendly, task-driven approach to implement robotics process automation to scale and stay competitive. So I had a couple of recent podcast episodes where I talked about using robotics process automation or RPA to perform four fraud tasks, as well as the process for AP to identify other manual tasks that could be automated using RPA. So large companies we know have access to RPA tools and staff to implement this technology. But what about small to medium-sized businesses that may not have the same? Today, I have a guest, Wilton White, CEO of Diversified Robotic, to talk about RPA and how his company is helping small to medium-sized businesses implement this technology to stay competitive. But before we get to that, I want to introduce Wilton and have him talk about his background and Diversified Robotic. Welcome, Wilton. Thank you, Deborah. I really appreciate you having me. For the uh, listeners that may not know you or your company, just talk a bit about your background and how you came to be involved with RPA and Diversified Robotic. Sure. So um, I wind up coming from a wireless background in engineering. I worked for uh, multiple carriers and uh, vendors. I worked internationally for uh, probably about 10 years or so. Uh, and what I've done is over the period of time, uh, I was fortunate enough to be trained in some other disciplines, uh, cloud computing, uh, RPA, as you mentioned, robotic process automation. Uh, and so when I was able to take a look at what was happening in the market space, I started looking for an exit ramp. I wanted to start my own venture 
I saw there was a big vacuum in a small and medium-sized business space. Uh, so I got with some other engineers and we started formulating the plan to uh, build Diversify Robotic. Uh, so it's been an exciting time for us and uh, we're excited about what we're doing. Great. Well, part of your mission statement says that Diversify Robotic is a technology company that is committed to helping small to medium-sized businesses stay competitive. What is Diversify Robotic and how are you different from other RPA third-party vendors that are out there? Yeah, that's a great question, Deborah. Uh, for us, Diversify Robotic quite simply is a disruptor. Uh, we we wanted to be a disruptor in the technology space. We knew that there was a, a big gap between uh, small and medium-sized businesses and large enterprise clients when it came to technology. Uh, so we decided to, to build a company that could provide all things technology uh, to all the small and medium-sized business players so they could be able to be competitive. And we know that industry is mainly driven by technology. Uh, so if you're not using that to benefit your company, you had a great disadvantage. And so what makes us different from other third-party RPA companies is we're really not just an RPA company. Uh, that is pretty much what people see on the marquee when we walk to the door, uh, and that's by design. A little bit of background of how we came to be focused on RPA. Uh, when we first built Diversified Robotic, we had a different setup as far as what was uh, customer-facing. Uh, when we walked into the door, uh, we labeled everything that we could do for a client immediately. Uh, we told them, hey, we can build machine learning tools for you. We do artificial intelligence. We do web development, mobile development, web crawlers, you name it. We do it all, business intelligence. And I always use this analogy. It was like someone asking for a glass of water and we turned the fire hydrant on them. It was just too much. Uh, so we had to rethink our methodology. Uh, we decided to introduce ourselves by building uh, simple technology for people, which are the robots are, automation. And automation is universal. We can go into any business and find something to automate. And that was our cue to help our clients to actually start learning about technology. And once they learned about it and got a little comfortable with it, then they could migrate to some of these deeper things on the technology side. So that's the difference between us and other third-party RPA. We are really not truly an RPA company, but we use RPA to start the training process for our clients so they can understand technology better. I really like that analogy of the, you know, looking for a drink of water and then, you know, turning on the fire hose because sometimes, especially technology in small to medium-sized businesses where you've got staff that are wearing multiple hats, it can be intimidating and you can get that water hose effect. So that's a great analogy. I know that Diversify Robotic um, has built bots, for example, to help the HR function to handle both onboarding and offboarding employees with a marketing function to find qualified leads, you know, helping CPAs with bank reconciliations. And that's just to name a few. Can you talk about a couple of specific use cases where Diversify Robotic was able to make processes more efficient in the accounts payable function? Yeah, we have several clients. As you mentioned earlier, we, we do quite a bit on the uh, accounting side. I think we have probably 20% of our clients are, are on the financial side. And um, we do everything from reconciliation of accounts, as you say, uh, to accounts payable. Uh, when it comes to uh, processing uh, POs and invoices and, uh, and then from there being able to reconcile those invoices with payments. Uh, 
we built simple bots that match pretty much what the workflow would be for a, a normal workflow for accounts payable. Um, to get specifically on, on use cases, um, they're pretty much all the same. It's always going to wind up dealing with a large intake of, of data and being able to take that data uh, and to look within an organization's financial uh, organizational structures, whether they're using something like QuickBooks or Sage, uh, be able to grab those invoices, uh, reconcile them, and go through the approval process for, for payments. Uh, do the same thing when it comes to uh, payroll, uh, when it comes to uh, doing commission statements, uh, being able to reconcile that with uh, different bills that went out for uh, invoices for clients and where they've been paid. Uh, so these normal uh, everyday uh, accounts payable processes have been taken from the standard workflow and all we've done is, is built it to do it automatically. And the difference is that when you have a human element, of course, the problem solving for information that is missing or unique situations is that the experience from the uh, employee allows them to be able to solve that problem. Uh, with automation, you have to build what we call intelligence into the, to the workflow. We have to build what we call error handling. How do you handle an error? You know, if there's, there's something that's missing, how do you solve that problem? And we work closely with the client on that to be able to build that intelligence inside. Uh, but again, the, the complexity of what we do is not very, very difficult. What was difficult is trying to be able to, to match it to the specific uh, needs of the client, which is always going to be unique for each client. Yeah. And on that note, I know that I've talked before about bots and RPA and how you have to have a task that is rules driven, that does not need to have that human decision to be made. Is that all that needs to be taken in consideration where when you are trying to, as a small or medium sized business, decide what may be eligible to be automated? I'm going to answer that with a yes and no. And then the reason I'm going to do that, Deborah, is that the standard answer would be yes. That's what you want to look for, highly repetitive tasks. I mean, that, that is the low-hanging fruit. You know, that's, that's the easy identifier, right? But no also because uh, what people take for granted is that automation has to be a A through Z type of thing. It has to be all-encompassing. When actuality, automation, you can automate 25% of a process or 75% or of the process, and the rest of it have the human intervention. Uh, and the reason why is because you want to use the, the vision of a, a digital employee. That's what we call our bots, digital employees. You want to use that vision of, of that digital employee to be just like your assistant, right? If you had a digital assistant and you say, hey, I need you to handle this piece of the work for me, you may only give them 20% or 50% to do, and you're still doing the rest. So if you have that vision in your mind, then when you start looking at what can you automate, now everything becomes available to you. You can have something and say, okay, I want you to just go grab this data so I can start analyzing, put it all together for me so I can analyze it, right? So it has nothing to do with automating the process. You're just looking for assistance. Uh, and with that being the case, then the answer turns to be no, because you can automate pretty much anything. 
That is a great point. Instead of looking at an end-to-end process that is eligible, you open yourself up if you look at steps within that process that can be automated. So for example, if there are reports that I, as a small or medium-sized business owner, needs to review, um, I don't know, every Friday, then you can automate that report to be generated and be emailed to you. So when you come in on Friday, it's right there and you don't have to go pull it. Is that type? Is that the type of thing? Absolutely. The very first bot I built for AT&T uh, was a bot to do my job when I was in the engineering field. So a little background, I came from a wireless uh, background where we did analysis for performance. So if you had a drop call or slow data speed on your mobile, uh, it would get looked at by the local engineers. And usually if you're in a major market, 20 or 30 local engineers. Uh, if they couldn't solve it within a week, it got escalated to the regional team. If they couldn't solve it within a week, it got escalated to me. I was a national engineer for performance. And what I would do is I would go grab all these different reports from all these different uh, information that was calculated by the, uh, the engineers before, as well as looking at some of these tools that we had to do some analysis. But that was a do- lot of data aggregation. I had to pull a lot of different data in and then start formulating my opinion. But well, most of the time I spent grabbing all the data. So what I did was I built a bot to go and look for anything that got escalated to me, grab all these reports, putting it in a way that I want to look at it. So when I showed up, I can just start my analysis. And at that point, I realized this is a game changer. This is a big game changer because now you have help. So now you can actually spend more time looking for things or fixing things or coming up with new ideas when you have someone else that can do all the rudimentary stuff for you. And, you know, something else that uh, you've said before, or maybe I have saw this on your website, is that you don't really focus on using the digital bot or a digital employee to eliminate positions. It's really to enable your current workforce to focus on more value-added items. This is a great point. So instead of having them focused on pulling and generating a report that can include, you know, multiple uh, exports out of ERPs and compiling this report. Instead of that, they come in and they get the report already created. And all they have to do now is focus on their analysis. Absolutely. And you've hit on a great point that is probably the number one uh, myth within RPA space. Uh, And there's a reason behind that. Uh, most people associate automation with contraction, job loss. And there's a reason for that. Most automation was always done at the enterprise level. And at the enterprise level, once they start to automate, they try to contract because they play a different game than everyone else. And what I mean by game is the Wall Street game when it comes to valuation. If you lower your operating expense, your valuation tends to go up, right? So you're lowering your operating expense. And if you're even if your profits stay neutral, uh, now you have a a better ratio of operating expense to revenue. And so the valuation goes up. Now, this game is not played in a small and medium-sized business space. All they care about is, are we making more money? Are we more profitable? And because of that, they're not looking to trim that operating expense only for Wall Street's report. Uh, They're looking at strictly operationally, are we in better shape than we were before? And that's a very important point because what we found, and we were a little nervous when we started the company, we weren't sure 
like you said earlier, in culture and small and medium-sized businesses, people wear a lot of the same different hats as a more of a communal and family type environment when you're into the smaller business space. And we weren't sure by bringing automation, people would be threatened by it. And they were initially. Yeah. But what we found was something that was very counterintuitive. Once we built bots for them, they started to grow their business. They started hiring more people. And this at first, you know, uh, confounded us. But then we started thinking about, okay, we understand now. Now they have their costs fixed on this operational side and this back office side so they can grow without having to worry about it. Where in the enterprise space, they're always looking to contract. They're always looking to lower their operating expense. And so because of that, uh, we got very confident what we're doing. We were able to show these use cases to others. And after that, the company just took off. Perfect. So you're really helping small and medium-sized businesses scale, which is how you help them stay competitive. Absolutely. Perfect. So let's say I'm a small, medium-sized business and I have identified manual tasks or steps in the process that would be eligible for, or that I think are eligible for RPA to build that digital employee. What would the process look like for me from start to finish to work with Diversified? How long does it take? What are the steps? That type of thing. Yeah, great question, Deborah. So the we process, we try to make it very simple. There, there are basically five steps, uh, but the first two are the most important. And the first one is what we call a kickoff meeting. It's nothing but a formal introduction. Uh, generally, it may be in person if we have a, a sales associate visit you uh, at your location, uh, but 80 to 90% of the time, it's going to be online. We have our online meetings. Uh, we use Zoom plus a, a couple other online meetings. Uh, applications. And then what we do is we talk about ideas. We talk about what we've done. Uh, we, we give you an introduction to the team. Uh, we lay out you know, who we are and what we can do. And then we start looking for ideas for you of what you can probably uh, bring to the table as far as giving us an opportunity to show automation. And because we do this for free, uh, there's no liability or um, uh, risk on your side. You, we, we're going to design it for free. Uh, we're going to develop it for free and we're going to let you use it and let that employee work for you for a couple of weeks for free, even before we, we think about talking about uh, charging us a small subscription fee. Uh, and so that kickoff meeting is, like I said before, the formal introduction and being able to speak to you. Once you figure out that, okay, let's give these guys a shot. Let's figure out something we want to go ahead and automate. Then we go to the next step, which is called a design meeting. Uh, and this, we find out, let's say, for example, we're doing something on the accounts payable side. Uh, we get what we call from your site, a delivery manager. Who's the person that normally does this or be responsible for this or the digital employee is going to report to? We want them to walk us through the process. And what we do, again, we have an online meeting. We record all our online meetings. And so that way we can capture it and, and give it to our developers. We ask tons of questions. Uh, that error handling I was telling you earlier when we start doing the what ifs, we ask a lot of what if questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once we do that, we build a workflow. Uh, that workflow is completed. We have another meeting, the second design meeting to walk through the workflow with you to make sure we got it right. Uh, you sign off on it. Once you sign off on it, now it's in our hands. We give it to the developers. The developers, it depends on the complexity of the bot uh, and the frequency on which it's going to run because sometimes we have to do some licenses on the back end. Uh, then we'll go ahead and uh, build it. It generally takes anywhere from two to four weeks, depending on the complexity. Uh, we have some built as quick as a week. 
on average, they run about two, two and a half weeks. Uh, and then from there, we, we come back to you, we show it to you, we give you a demo of it, uh, you sign off on it, and then we put it in trial, and now it's working for you. It's working for you for the next two weeks. Uh, and then after that two weeks, if you want it, we sign a, a subscription cost, and then your employees often working for you. Wow. And, you know, I think that's a great process because, you know, one of the, the biggest obstacles that, that anyone that wants to bring in automation to their, to their company is, you know, getting that business case and getting that, you know, ROI and having leadership approve that. And you guys have kind of developed the greatest formula for that, like ever, because the bots in place, and that is your business case. Absolutely. And you also help with creating that ROI, correct? Absolutely. The average ROI for our client is over 600% year one. Wow. Uh, and so the, the effect that having the bot work for you for several weeks does, it shows you the value of the technology. Uh, there, you don't have to guess what the case study is going to show you. Uh, this is proof positive of what it's doing for your organization. And then when you couple that with the small investment for the uh, subscription cost versus the normal cost for development, uh, then it becomes a no-brainer. And that's great because, you know, again, small and medium-sized businesses may not have that staff, that IT person that can learn or implement RPA, and you guys have taken care of that. Absolutely. That was the, the thing we want to do. We want to be what we call the technology equalizers. Mm-hmm. We want to be the go-to company for all things technology for small businesses. So if you have any problem, you bring it to us. We give you a technology solution for it. We build it for you and we get rid of the large investment cost has to go in order to be able to benefit from that technology. So I do want to talk more about the investment for small and medium-sized businesses. But before I go there, I just have one, hopefully quick question. But, you know, I talk a lot about, especially within vendor maintenance and accounts payable, fraud prevention. So are there any specific security steps that need to be put into place in order to build or run the bots or have access to build the bots to protect your client from cyber? threats or any type of fraud that may be out there? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the number one thing that we do is explain our security in clear terms to our clients, uh, especially, like I said before, about 20% of our clients are in the accounting space, in the financial services space. Uh, and that, that, that data is, is very valuable and highly confidential. And so what we do is the, the basic part of our um, security feature lies in AWS, which is Amazon Web Services. So Amazon Web Services, number one cloud provider uh, in the world for businesses and for a reason, they have the the best security. Uh, So we have solution architects, which are uh, certified in AWS security. Uh, We use every mechanism available to make sure all your data uh, is taken care of in in a top fashion when it comes to best practices and security. Uh, And so we use every suite of tools that they have in Amazon. We layer that with another layer with a software called uh, Terramine DLP. DLP stands for Data Loss Prevention. And Terramine DLP is a monitoring software. And what we use this for is we use this on our end for all of our developers. So when our developers are building these bots, before they go go in and build them, we have our security officer work with whoever the delivery manager is for our client. So let's say we're working on the AP side 
and you do not have an IT person, uh, but we can sit down with you and say, okay, what do you want us to build, right? What do you want us to give us access to? And then what we do is with our security engineer, we walk through all the different things on which report we get an access to. Let's say we're in QuickBooks. You can have access to this report, you can have access to this layer and this account. And we put all that into a security profile, we build it and we restrict it to only that, right? And then on top of that, we put some other restrictions on top of it. And so now when our developers go in to develop it, all that stuff is, 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 is tied into it. Everything that they do is recorded. Uh, everything that happens is also a forensic traceable for, from audits. And so we build all that profile inside of it. So you have this container of security from Terramine DLP inside and on the outside, you got the AWS security. And then if you do have an ID department, then you got whatever policies and stuff that you put on the bot within your own IT staff. For example, the bot generally has its own login, right? We, we encourage our clients to have a bot to name your bot. You know, we have some very unique names. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bet. Bot, and then give them their own login and credentials. So anytime you log into your system, you know it's the bot doing it. And so if you have an IT staff, well, they can fill whatever policy and restrictions that they would normally put on any employee on the bot. So now you got three layers of protection. And again, the beginning of, of RPA really started in the financial services, the banking and insurance. They were the ones who actually took the RPA and start pushing it. And the reason why is because a lot of the regulatory and compliance, they're one of the most regula uh, regulated industries, verticals there are. And because of the fact that it, the bot will log everything and you can do audits and tra track every uh, issue and every different function that the bot did in order to do forensic evidence. Great. So in addition to using some of the industry-wide um, security um, precautions, it looks like even, you know, within the ERPs or the accounting system of your clients, you're using, you know, least privileged access and event or audit logging in order to track what the bot is doing so that you know that um, you're protecting your clients from fraud. Absolutely. And one thing I always remember, Deborah, is mm -hmm. a bot will only do what you tell it to do. Mm -hmm. So once that bot is built, unlike a human, it can't change its mind, decide one day I'm going to start taking some money off the top. Once that bot is created, it's going to always do the exact same thing every time. And so once that code is processed, it's locked away, it cannot be audited or changed unless it's signed off by all parties. So that bot is going to continue to be in a kind of its own closed loop. So it has no access for fraud. So this technology in itself is a form of fraud prevention. Absolutely. And, that's, that, and that was the main driver for mm -hmm. the financial services and banking and, industry and insurance. They understood that from the beginning. Uh, and because of that, they started running uh, at light speed with it. Okay, so let's get back then to the investment for small to medium-sized businesses in this technology. Is there a big investment for your clients for this technology to implement? And this is the biggest surprise of all. The answer is no. Uh, and a lot of times people are, you know, they're very weary when we say we'll do it for free and we'll talk about the price later. They're thinking we're going to hit them with sticker shock later. Uh, but what we tell them is before we even start building a bot, we guarantee you we're going to be a lot lower than your normal operational cost for that same task. So much so we can guarantee it's going to be anywhere from 50 to 75% cheaper. Uh, and it just depends on the complexity and the frequency, but on average, anywhere from 60 to 70% uh, cheaper than what it would cost for um, 
of the human element to do it is what we'll charge for a bot to do it on a monthly basis. And the reason why is because we're trying to be uh, partners with the company long-term. Uh, so when you have a subscription, let's say you have Netflix or um, a Hulu or any of these uh, streaming uh, applications, you don't really think about the 10 or 14 or $15 you give them every month. It's not, to you, it's negligible because of the fact of the value you get from it, right? And that's the same thing we wanted to do when it came to technology. We knew that if we built something that would allow you to, to compete and, then, and to be able to uh, get benefit right away, that not only would you buy one bot from us, you want to come back and buy more bots from us. And because of that, we knew long-term that we would be partners and you'll be able to have these digital employees and compete. And we'd be able to make our money back in nine months, a year or two years, depends on where we're at. But we knew that we were able to have a long-term relationship with a client. We're not trying to do the traditional way of coming in and hitting our clients overhead with a big consulting fee, you know, application fee, license fee, and all these other fees, and then walking out the door, you know, with $75,000, $100,000 for the project, uh, we want to be able to say, hey, whatever this cost is that it, this bot is, is functioning for, if, you, if your work is costing you $2,000 uh, a month to do this, we probably charge you $500 a month to do it. Uh, and so those are the things that allow companies to look at and say, you know what, this is cost advantageous because of the fact that not only do we get the opportunity to build this infrastructure that allows us to scale, but the cost associated with it makes it viable where we can go and we can do those smaller projects. Remember earlier, Deborah, you asked me about uh, what's the best project to look for. And I said, it can be something as a helper if it's only doing 20% automation. Well, because with the way we price it, now you would think, oh, we're just doing 20% automation. It's probably going to be cost prohibitive to go build something for that. Now you can see it's not cost prohibitive. We may only pay $75 a month for it, right? We may only pay $300 a month for it. Now that changes the way you look at your business because you start thinking, hey, I can start building all these little assistants, these little digital assistants, and it's not going to be cost prohibitive. It's going to be cost advantageous. Wow. And what's really great too is the time that you're saving the employee that used to do that um, position, especially if they're in sales, now they can go and probably make that back and more because they're now uh, have more time to be client facing. Absolutely. So I love that you give a two week trial. We talked about that before, that that's like the best business case ever. And I love that you do that, but I hear that you have a special for our podcast listeners today. I so do. can you talk about that and then tell us where the listeners can go to get more information? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, as you know, Deborah, we decided to do something special for you and your listeners. <laughs> Uh, and that is for anyone who decides to give us a try to let us build a bot for them. Uh, we built a landing page uh, that if you go to uh, apandhappy.diversifiedrobotic.com, instead of giving you a two-week trial with the bot, we'll actually give you three weeks. So that means that we'll design and build it for you, and you'll have your own digital employee for three weeks uh, working for you uh, at no cost at all. And so we think that it'd be a, a great opportunity for, for your listeners to be able to uh, understand uh, how we feel about you and how we feel about what you're doing. And uh, we think this is going to be a win-win for everyone. 
That's absolutely great. And I will actually put a link to the landing page in the show notes for the episode. So uh, listeners will be able to click and come straight to the landing page from there. Um, so I think we do good today. Is there anything else, um, lastly, to close out that you'd like to say? No, I just want to thank you again for having me on. I really appreciate uh, all you've done and I appreciate what you do. It's, uh, it's, it's important that the educational piece in any type of industry uh, has a lot of value for people. And what you're doing is, is a, a great use to people. And so we appreciate you having us on and I would thank you again for it. All right. Well, thank you for being a guest today. Great conversation on robotics process automation or RPA. And I am sure that you, the listener, will go to apandhappy.diversifiedrobotic.com to learn more about and take advantage of the three-week trial for your very own digital employee. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 39th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on the platform that you choose to listen. Stay happy. 